The Reef Therapy Podcast is powered by ICP Analysis. If you'd like to win a free saltwater ICP analysis kit and a freshwater analysis kit, all you have to do is leave a comment down below using the hashtag what's in your water. If you're listening to the audio only version, head on over to YouTube and you can enter in the comment section there. ICP Analysis will test over 50 elements down to parts per trillion. These tests can also be used to see if there's any undesirable elements in your aquarium as well. Register your aquarium on the ICP Analysis app, fill your sample, place it back into the bag, slap on that included postage, and have your results one to three days after it's received. More at icpanalysis.com. Hey, Reef Builders, and welcome to episode number 94 of the Reef Therapy Podcast, powered by ICP Analysis. Today, we're going to get an update on everything and also chat with our guest tonight, Mr. John Swanson. Uh, John has been in Aquarius for 40 plus years, saltwater for 35, reefs for almost 30. He's got a bachelor's in ecology and evolutionary biology and a master's in plant science slash molecular biology both from uh, Yukon. He's been a teacher for 25 years and running the EO Smith Coral Project for 19 years. I have heard of the legend of what you do and the high school and your teachings and you know bringing that program into the school and everything. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you here tonight. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you reaching out. So we always start the podcast off with a little therapy session, anything. Uh, do you have tanks at your home? I do, yeah. Okay. I have so, a hundred gallon corner tank sitting just to my left here, plumbed down through the floor. Thank my wife for letting me drill holes in the floor of the house <laughs> down into the basement connected to a frag system to grow corals there. I'm farming at home too. So any challenges that you're facing right now? How old is the system? I guess I, I should say that. It's, it's one of those things where the system itself is older than the tank is this current system the way that it's set up is about 10 years old or so but it came from previous iterations and previous tanks and upgrades from i used to have a 90 gallon tank in the living room and i moved all the livestock into here and um it's probably probably about as old as we've been in the house so almost 20 years now wow wow uh so anything you're going through at the moment um, nothing too major, just the typical, I, I, I'm an awful role model for reef keepers because I do what we yell at every reef keeper for doing over the summer. I look at my tank and I think, all right, I could do water change, could do some cleaning. Nah, I'm going to go outside and do something else instead. <laughs> and I come back in the fall and I always kind of suffer for it. So it usually takes me a little while to get going. The frag farmers market, getting this organized and stuff usually sort of jump starts me. So I'm, you know, revitalizing. I went down, picked a little algae this morning, did a little uh, maintenance work, but nothing major. Everything's doing pretty well. So you've also got several aquariums. I'm assuming you've got a bunch of aquariums at school as well yeah. that the students really help out with, right? Yeah. Anything that's going on there at the moment or give us a, give us kind of a glimpse of what that room looks like. So it is actually three different rooms. So I have a 180 gallon display tank on my back counter um, that I had, um, we had upgraded uh, two, three years ago at this point. I had a carpenter buddy of mine come in. We came in over the weekend so that nobody would realize what we were doing. We took all the cabinets underneath out, put a sump into the existing countertop. Um, so I have that in the room. The greenhouse I have, I have a little tiny greenhouse, like maybe 15 by 12 or so. Um, I have another, I don't know, 
500 gallons tanks tubs i have uh, i have a mangrove forest back there which apparently is the uh, envy of everybody that comes to the school oh, yeah. Um, i have yeah i don't have little propagules i have trees like with prop roots coming out of the tank and we've almost hit the roof of the greenhouse and then in the back room I used to have kind of a makeshift frag system and I uh, hooked up with Andrew Sandler of Polo Reef and uh, he actually funded us to upgrade that system. So we have a brand new, like built the way that I want it frag system in the back. So there's another 350 or so gallons back there as well. So it's, it's a bit. Yeah, that's I, I just imagine what my high school would have like what my high school career would have looked like if this would have been an option, you know, to explore in the biology department. I thought I think that would be just phenomenal. So it's awesome that you guys offer that. I tell you what, if I had a nickel for every time somebody said that to me, you and I wouldn't be talking. I'd be sitting on a beach someplace right now. <laughs> well, I tried I tried to do something similar on a very much smaller scale from my student perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in high school, biology was like my passion. I loved it so much. And cool. I, I remember uh, I remember I was I, I had cichlids at the time in high school. And I thought it was so cool that convict cichlids just bred like crazy. You just get a male and a female and they'll go to town and they'll eggs yep. and fry and everything. And so my whole idea was that I was going to set up a tank in one of the biology labs, you know, get a couple convicts in there, have them, you know, spawn and, you know, make babies and all that. And I would yep. get all this extra credit because I was trying <laughs> extra hard. And I remember I was, I was a senior or junior at the time. And I was in an under, like I was in a freshman classroom while the class was going on mm -hmm. and they let me set up the tank in the back of the room. And I thought I was so cool setting up this tank. I got the flower pot in there, got the convicts. And, the, and then I, <laughs> one of the freshmen looks over at me and goes, Hey, uh, I think you're leaking and I did not notice the bottom of the tank that I had got from our greenhouse had a huge crack just all the way down the bottom. And this thing was just leaking all over the place. So yeah, I ended up with a different tank and they didn't end up breeding by the time that I graduated. So <laughs> that was the extent of, of my aquarium uh, life in high school. But, uh, but really cool that you guys offer that. Yeah. So, uh, are you guys, I mean, when you guys go through challenges there, are you, are you having the students do maintenance on the tanks then regularly? Oh, yeah. Or is that, is that yeah. only you? Yeah, no, the, I mean, I do a lot of it and kind of supervise and I'll sort of pick and choose our battles along the way. But a lot of the stuff that we do, um, the goal is to get the kids from, most of them are super, super green when they come in, they don't know anything about reef keeping, anything about tanks. Um, so we get them sort of acclimated into the things they have to take care of. And at the, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're really pretty good. Like uh, we do, um, we do coral club on Thursday afternoons. And a lot of the times kids come in and they just start working. I'm off, you know, chatting with another teacher, finishing up something at the end of the day. And I come in and they've already started most of the time. So it's, it's pretty cool, but they do almost all of the maintenance for better or worse. They do almost all the maintenance. <laughs> so you mentioned that they just get to work. What does that, what does that look like? Are they, are they making frags or what, what are they doing? It depends on the day. Um, we do some days where it's like, all right, the algae starting to get out of control. Let's do a little, let's do a 
concerted cleaning effort and everybody kind of fans out and goes and works in one tank or another and picks and cleans. Um, we do fragging stuff. I'll teach kids how to frag different kinds of corals, teach them about the, the different techniques and things like that. So we'll pick, you know, some of the stuff that's gotten bigger and cut it up and set it up in the different tanks. We um, do installations of different parts and things like that. I just try and walk them through kind of what I do to take care of the tanks so that they can take care of them. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, before we before we get into the meat, I uh, have an update on my Red Sea. Uh, in the last episode, we talked about how uh, I should have quarantined and QT'd a purple tang that I got and it after a couple days was showing signs of Vic and yeah. I, I could have finished this story for you yeah <laughs> everybody you know that has told me to create a QT tank or, or set up a QT tank has has said this and I'm I'm imagining that it was already present in this system anyway so you know, putting it in a QT tank may have like, uh, you know, beef him up a little bit before he went in there, got him used to whatever. But I think he would have ended up with it anyway, to some degree. So I have been battling that it has since shown up on other fish. Um, the Tamini Tang had it the uh, my my female clownfish, which I've had for six years now, my spawning pair. <laughs> And, you know, it's hard for clownfish to get stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I The the uh, Chromis, surprisingly, has not had any ick, and the Desjardini tang has not had any ick. Mm. So, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to say that through a concerted effort to mitigate and, you know, help this thing go away, uh, I think it's, I think we're coming along. I just checked the purple. I did a big water change today and was kind of monitoring the purple. So what I've done is because they're all still eating, I've medicated the food with some Metroplex Focus and Canaplex. And I've also got Celcon and Vitachem. So this whole cocktail of food that is, you know, on the on the frozen mysis, I'll feed probably two, three times a day, which is not typical for me. Um, I usually just feed once. Um, offering Nori offering you know other mm -hmm. things and then i went into petco and i told the story in the last one too bought one of those u those uvs those green killing machines that are mainly for like mm -hmm. uh algae and um bacterial bacterial blooms and things like that so the the flow is pretty ripping through this thing um and i was at the local fish store and he was like how's your purple doing because i bought it from you know the guy down the street mm -hmm. and he's like take this just use this for now. You can bring it back. He gave me an aqua UV mm -hmm. 25 watt solid, legit, you know, I can control the flow through it. So it's, it's pretty slow moving through there right now. And I think through all of those things, something worked somewhere and it's lessening the, the clownfish is still not out of the woods yet, but I think we'll, we'll be good here in a little bit. But, uh, so a rare ick success story. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, so as far. I talked, as it, yeah, as I talked to, you know, Sarah Stevens, who's over at the Butterfly uh, Pavilion in, in Denver, she she basically <laughs> she compared it to herpes. She's like, you know, and there's ever and whenever you get a stressful event that goes on in the tank, it's probably going to come back. Just know that you know you can get through it. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm excited uh, that that's, that's that's kind of uh, subsiding. Hopefully. 
Um, I also started calc dosing. Um, I know it's a, it's a pretty young tank. I mean, I'm only five or six months in right now, but, oh, okay. uh, I really wanted the pH to be right around eight, three, eight, two, which is where it's at. I'm dosing overnight only at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'll have my, I, I work early in the morning. I do radio. So okay. <laughs> I, have, I have my wife come down probably 7am and check the pH meter and just see, because I, I just have a Milwaukee probe in here. I don't have it hooked up to apex or anything. So I can't see okay. it from work. Um, and we're, yeah, we're eight, two to eight, three. Perfect. Uh, nice. so I hit the pH on the, on the head there for the first, I'm only doing like, I think I, my EVAP is like a gallon and I'm doing a liter of calc okay. overnight. So, uh, things are good. Things are going well. I think I still need a lot more biodiversity, which I hopefully didn't kill all of it with the UV <laughs> that I'm running in tandem right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the struggle that I have been going through in this, uh, this big tank. So cool. Could yeah. be worse. Could be yeah. a lot worse. I was going to say, uh, when I first saw it, I was like, this better not be velvet. This better not be velvet. I've got fish I've had for, you know, you get, you, you get, you get so attached to these fish yeah. that you've had forever. And with, uh, with the spawning pair, I've actually got, uh, Uno and Dose, which are my first two successful from egg clownfish that I've oh, wow. raised. So it's just them, Uno and Dose and a Chicago sunburst Nem in this 10 gallon tank over here. Mm-hmm. And so I have their progeny. <laughs> so I want to, I want to make sure that they also stay alive for as long as possible. So, um, but do, do you have any ick remedies that you like to use or anything that you guys like? Not the problem I have is the same problem you have. Anytime, anything that I have that has ick is in my reef. So it's very difficult to treat it. Um, I've been, I've gotten very good at catching fish in a reef tank. I don't know why I can do it. Um, I usually, I'll actually do it at school. A lot of times I just take a beaker. So a clear beaker, the fish can't see the beaker. So I just bury the beaker in the front of the tank and then chase the fish with my hand gently and kind of shoo them into the beaker, put my hand over the top. I worked, um, worked at a pet store in Las Vegas. I spent two years living, um, in Vegas, going to UNLV doing graduate work. Um, and I worked in a fish store out there and we had a tank that was a 50 gallon, I think tank full of baby cichlids, little tiny, like three quarter inch cichlids. And people would come and say, I want that blue one. And there's 150 fish in this tank. Like you can catch all the fish or you can try and catch this one. And I realized that catching them with a net was just a nightmare. So I started using the box and I taught everybody else in the store to use the box. It's a lot less stressful on the fish. I just put the box down and follow that one fish, chase it in and pull it out. I can pull the other fish out easily, but I caught the one that I wanted. And I started catching all kinds of fish like that, like tangs would get caught in nets. And it's, you know, you've got their spines stuck in the net and you're trying to drag them out and pull them and you're beating them up out of the water. So I just caught everything in the box from there. Um, And I use that to catch fish and throw them into separate tanks and copper treat them as best I can. Um, That's my solution to it. And if I have to treat them in the tank, I'm doing similar stuff to what you're doing. I'm trying to feed them garlic and whatever else I can add into the food and hope for the best, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like as long as as long as they're eating, you've got a fighting chance. Yeah. Um, and the purple got he got fairly bad to where the splotches weren't just they, they were splotches. They weren't just like little specks. Yeah. They became larger. So 
hoping yeah. that we're out of the woods with that guy. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I've told the story a couple times, but I let my kids, I have a eight and a six year old and mm -hmm. I let my kids finally pick out fish for this tank because you know, it's big enough. Yep. The world is their oyster at this point, you know, for the most part <laughs> within reason. And my son picked the Chromis and my daughter picked the purple tank. And I was like, there's a little difference in price here, guys. <laughs> um, but I've yep. always wanted a purple, so and I know they're bullies, and I know they're ick prone and all that yep. stuff. But yep, hoping I, I to. Had I had just a purple for about a month, unfortunately. Same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping there is a. I'm good friends with one of our local fish store owners here, Logan, who owns corals and more, and he just got a Hawaiian yellow in on a breakdown, Ooh. and was going to sell it to me for fair like way cheaper than you know what most places are selling it selling mm -hmm. yellow tanks for which is crazy to think you know like a reasonable in, price <laughs> back in the day when they were 25 dollars a piece you know yep. <laughs> but uh i would love to have a, a good tang gang in here and they're all doing their job and they're you know picking like crazy on this rock yep. so got plenty of feast here in this brand new tank as the uh, algae bloom is is going nuts right now so and they're great fish too they're just beautiful fish yeah, like tang, yeah, yeah. tangs are one of the fish that draw people into salt water you have the clownfish is the obvious one but the colors that you get in some of the tangs the yellow tangs especially I, there are so many people that got into saltwater fish tanks because of a yellow tang yeah yeah and you know uh mark uh vanderwall he was on the podcast before you know would always mm -hmm. talk about how he could never do nano tanks because you just can't have you can't have all these utilitarian fish in there yeah. that are picking away at the algae at all times and i know i get that now like i understand yeah. what that means now because i don't know how many you know 25 gallon tanks i've had or 30 gallon tanks where it's just like the hair algae is waving and yeah. you're just like, ah, oh, it's only been four days since I last removed all of this stuff. But if you've got a whole crew just kind of pecking away at this stuff at all times, it, it yep. really makes it a lot easier. So, um, well, I want to, I want to get to know you a little bit from, so tell me your story from, you know, hobbyist to teacher to frag swap founder. You know, obviously you're, you're a high school teacher and, you know, you get the marine biology program there and all yep. the coral and all that stuff. So kind of take me through from where it started to where you are now. I, I've been a, a biology person, person and an ocean person since I was itty bitty. I was the little kid at the beach, you know turning over rocks, playing with different critters and stuff like that. So I've always been into the ocean. Um, I've had freshwater fish tanks since I was little tiny. My dad had Oscars and all kinds of other freshwater stuff in the house. So I always had guppies and mollies and, you know, easy to keep little freshwater tanks in my room. Um, and when I was in high school, the pet store that we had in the local mall had a saltwater section. And as a fish person, I'm like, well, hold on. I can get these fish over here. I could get this bright blue, this bright purple, the yellow tang. It wasn't even the clownfish. It was all the other stuff that they had. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. So I ended up getting a, a saltwater fish tank when I was like 14 or 15 years old. Um, it was a, a 55 gallon with, you know, like one of these whisper wet dries on the back. That was the Cadillac of the industry at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's embarrassing that I had a tank running on that at this point. But, um, <laughs> So I had tanks for a long, long time. Um, I moved out to Las Vegas. I worked in an aquarium store out there and it got even worse because you would be hanging out and the fish would come in and you'd be like, well, this is really cool. Or even worse, people would come in and say, hey, I got a tank at my house. I don't want any more. Do you guys want one? And we would all, all the guys that worked there would all jump in the truck and go to somebody's house and we would just 
take everything that he had and part it out. So I ended up, when I moved back, I shipped back a 90 gallon acrylic tank, a 30 gallon um, all in one reef tank. And I think two other smaller tanks too, cause I just had them out there and ended up shipping them back. So I came back, um, started as a teacher and taught for a couple of years. I ended up at EO Smith out in stores, Connecticut, uh, 21 years ago at this point. And I had a bunch of tanks at home and I tell the story and it's true and a little humorous that, uh, my wife basically said, listen, that's enough fish tanks at home. Like you don't need any more fish tanks at home. So I said, cool, I'll put one at school. You can't tell me not to do that. So I moved <laughs> a 55 gallon tank to the back of the room at school. And I had Xenia growing like a weed in my tank at home. And I had realized a while back that I could take Xenia to the local fish store and they would give me credit for it. Like this was revolutionary to me that I could get, I was basically getting free coral. As far as I could tell, I would bring them, you know, 10 pieces of Xenia, which was out of control in my tank anyway, and leave with the clownfish or whatever I fish food or whatever I needed. So I set up the tank in the back of the room and was farming Xenia back there basically. And I realized that the kids were really, really interested in a lot of cases too interested. They're supposed to be working on something. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back and, you know, do some cutting and a little bit of propagating. And I'd have 10 kids standing around me all of a sudden. And I realized I had an opportunity here to, to take what I loved my hobby and sort of share it with kids who are super interested. So I started a club and I had kids who would come after we started with, there were two guys that would hang out after school with me and work on the fish tank with me. And then we slowly but surely started to expand out. I uh, I had applied for a Toyota Tapestry grant, which is a grant program for teachers who are doing, I guess, innovative and strange things. And at that time, putting a coral reef tank in my classroom was a weird idea, and they thought it was great. So they gave me, I think it was $10,000 at the time, which sounds like a lot of money, but as a reef keeper, you realize that's not going very far. <laughs> um, yeah. But that allowed me to expand out into the greenhouse and it's just kind of snowballed since. Um, it's it's become, it's the club goes on every year and I have usually eight to 12 kids and some of them are regulars and some of them kind of flit in and out, but I've had a steady crew of kids who are interested in learning and some of them come in because they have tanks. Some of them come in because they're interested in getting tanks. Some of them just like to come and play in the fish tanks. Yeah, that's awesome. They come in with, uh, with their favorite YouTube videos as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anything they've learned on YouTube. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what was, you said, I mean, in your, in your bio, you've got, uh, ecology, evolutionary mm -hmm. biology, plant science, molecular biology. What part, uh, what part of all of your studies was the most fascinating to you? It's, it's a tough thing. I'm a, a biologist. I, I always, I tell my students that I'm a biologist who teaches, not really a teacher who does biology. Um, I love the science. Uh, when I was at UConn as a freshman at UConn, I was taking a, an evolution course and it was a course we had to write a paper and the reader of my paper asked, you know, what are you interested in? And I was like, well, to be honest with you, I'm like a little kid. I'm like sharks and dinosaurs are kind of my jam. And he's like, that's funny. Cause I have a, a woman that works in the department who works on shark stuff. You should go talk to her. So I went and talked to her and ended up spending three and a half years working in a parasitology lab with uh, Dr. Janine Kyra. She's a 
super high level parasitologist who studies tapeworms and other parasites on sharks, skates, and rays. So I spent three years traveling around the world looking at shark parasites with her, which was fascinating to me and got me thinking about evolution and taxonomy and classification and things like that. And I went out to UNLV to learn um, molecular techniques to try and do molecular evolution stuff. So I was doing um, PCR and DNA sequencing and things like that out there. Um, ended up coming back here and working in a lab up at UConn again to do molecular biology stuff. So similar techniques, but what I was doing instead was I was bringing it into the high school classroom. So I developed a whole month long module based on research that uh, Jerry Berkowitz up at UConn was doing on um, so, or potassium channels in plants. So I kind of am a jack of all trades. Um, I just love the science, to be honest. I love evolution. I love the molecular stuff. There's not a lot of it that I don't like. Yeah, yeah. I I went to college. I went to Illinois State University and ended up in mass communications, um, which is where I'm in radio, which is a yeah. rare occasion for someone to actually go into the field that they graduate in these days. Uh, but I was a minor in anthropology and did uh, mainly the the biological side of anthropology. And I, I okay. really wanted to fill that void because I had an awesome high school teacher. And I think that that's a lot of where this all begins for kids is, you know, that inspiration that they draw from teachers and bless your guys' heart because you have a tough job. Like it's not easy. We got a taste of it in 2020 when we're trying to teach our kindergartner yeah. how to use a laptop uh, <laughs> at a very basic level. That is very difficult stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But I will always remember my high school biology teacher because she would come in and she would like we would come into I, I will always remember this moment where she was teaching us about evolution and she, we walked into class one day and she's laying with a tarp over her her body on one of the the lab desks. And as the bell rang for class. She goes, she's like starting to moan and she wakes up as Charles Darwin. <laughs> so she is totally in character, teaches the whole class in character as Charles Darwin. And while some kids may have thought that that was cheesy or hokey or whatever, I was just so inspired by like, you're infusing two things that I love, which is humor and science into two different, mm -hmm. into, into one thing, you know? And I think that that, that really, that lit a fire for me and it for college it really came down to the the math prerequisites and all the math stuff because mm -hmm. i was never like huge into the math thing and uh and that's where it kind of like halted for me and i was like well i am kind of on the performing side so why don't we go that way instead and uh so i did i did i did fill the void a little bit in college with the anthropology stuff but uh mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed that and wish I would have explored it a little bit more. But I, I always tell, you know, we, we've got promotions crew in, in radio that come through and it's usually like college kids. I'm like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be on air? What do you want to do? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, well, you know, if you're ever if you're interested in the science stuff, you know, you should pick a pick a major pick uh, an emphasis that involves the ocean because you get to go to all these exotic locations. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, um, the the woman that I worked with at UConn who was doing the parasitology, initially I was like, this woman's studying, you know, shark guts. This is not a super glamorous thing. I'm excited because it's sharks, but it's shark guts. But then she's getting, you know, half a million dollar grants to go to Thailand and spend a month in Thailand collecting sharks or to go to Australia and travel around Australia to collect different species of sharks to look at the parasite fauna that lives in and on them, which is just a great gig. I mean, it's amazing. And it was a, an incredible experience to be able to travel out and do like biological collecting the way that they were doing it. It's not, you know, we're not out with fish in line. We're out, you know, seining for stingrays and things like that. It was great. It was awesome. So have you been able to apply any of that stuff to, you know, the, the at-home hobby, the, the reefing hobby that we enjoy so much? I know bacteria is like a huge hot topic right now and mm-hmm. learning about the bacterias and, and the, good one, the good ones and the bad ones. And, you know, we have Salem on here uh, every once in a while who's yep. a student at, uh, in, in Kansas, and yep. he's like just blowing people's minds with all this bacterial stuff and yeah. DNA sequencing and all that. So is there anything that ties those two things for you? Um, it does and it doesn't. It was the lab that I worked in was a, a morphological systematics. So it was taxonomy. It was classifying and identifying new species of tapeworms. Um, so it wasn't as much the identification piece. Definitely. Um, I'm pretty good with my protists. I'm pretty good with my um, different invertebrates. When I see things, I know what they are. A lot of times I don't know why I know what they are, but I recognize them. Um, Not necessarily with the treatment aspect and things like that. Most of the tapeworms that we saw were long dead or were about to be very dead because we were going to preserve them. So more so with the identification than anything else, I think. Okay. Um, And I guess moving towards the, uh, the actual frag swap. So how did how did that idea i mean i i can imagine how the idea came about but what took you from you know you created the coral club and Mm -hmm. you've got interested students to then basically taking over the entire school with a bunch of uh frag tanks and people selling frags in different rooms i i went to um we were going to macna when macna was pretty much the only show in town it was the big reef show um, we went in Boston, we went in DC, we went in Pittsburgh. Um, we went to another one too. I don't remember where the other one was. Oh, we went to Atlantic city. Um, and I would go and it's this big reef show where people are selling corals. And one of the things that I struggled with when I started the program at the school was funding. Like the school was like, this is great that you're doing it, but we can't afford to pay for what you need. So it was very much hand to mouth, like we were bringing coral frags over to the fish store and trading them for the bucket of salt because we literally didn't have any salt at all. Or I was buying things out of pocket. And my initial thought was that as a a sort of small potato, I couldn't go to that big reef show and sell corals because I couldn't afford the investment to buy a booth to sell it, nor did I really have stuff that was worth selling at that particular venue. And it got me thinking about sort of the big guy versus the small guy approach to it. And I I looked at the hobby itself and realized that we're not sustainable as we are. The number of corals that we pull out of the ocean, especially back then, versus the number that survived was upsetting at best. Um, And I felt like I needed to do something to encourage sustainability. 
So what I started to do was I thought, what if I host an event at the school? And it was based on, you know, the small reef club frag swap. I'm going to host it at the school. I'm going to do it to sell some of the corals that we grow. I'm going to charge people basically nothing. I think the first year it was $30 to set up for a tank. And I made phone calls. I got a couple of local guys. We had probably, I don't know, 10 people come and set up things. And my argument was that people are going to be more likely to do coral farming if they know they can make a couple bucks doing it. I mean, it was the same model that pushed me towards coral farming with my Xenia that I don't have to buy salt because I brought you 10 pieces of Xenia. You're going to give me this bucket. And if people come and leave for the day with, again, $100, $150, $200 in their pocket, that's money that they're going to say, wait, this was worth my time and energy. So we did it the first year. Um, like I said, it was very small. I don't know how many people came because we didn't charge admission. Um, one of the the things that I've always stuck to about the frag farmers market is that I'm not in it to make money. Um, and I take unbelievable ribbing from the guys that helped me out who at the end of the day are like, you should charge more for spots. You should charge more for admission. You should charge this. And in the end, it's not what I'm here for. I don't do the silver sponsor and the gold sponsor. And I understand why the big shows do it, but I don't have to. Um, I get the school not totally for free at this point. The first couple of years it was free. Um, but I just wanted to host an event where I could encourage people to do aquaculture. I thought that that was important and to get people to come in and realize that you can get aquacultured corals. You don't have to buy the wild caught colony for a hundred dollars. You can buy a little piece for five or $10 and grow it out. And it, it started really small in every single year it got bigger and I would put different <clears throat> sort of um, emphasis on, okay, I need to get more sellers this year. Okay. I need to get the word out this year. I need to get more people here. And slowly but surely it started to really gain traction. And it was kind of cool because we started to take attendance. The first year I did attendance, we did pennies. So I didn't charge you a penny. I just had a pile of pennies and the kids were putting pennies into the cup every time somebody came in because people kept asking, well, how many people go to your swap? I said, I don't know, two, 200. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. And it was like a lot of the reef shows where they just kind of make up a number just to make it sound <laughs> like a lot of people were there. Five million people. Well, yeah. To and the tours. <laughs> there, there used to be, there were a couple other local shows and we used to joke about the numbers because I would go to the shows and then you would hear the number afterwards. And I'm like, there were not that many people there. There's no <laughs> way there were that many people yeah. there. Um, so we, we count like at the frag farmers now, I count very carefully and it's, it's, a source of pride that it keeps getting bigger every single year. Like last year we had over 1600 people in the building for the day. That's awesome. Which is, yeah, it's crazy. There were more people there that Saturday than there are in a normal school day. So, um, but it just kept growing and growing and growing. And eventually it started to, it got to the point where I didn't have to reach out. People were reaching out to me. Um, and again, my goal was to, do the best reef show that I could. I wasn't worried about the money of it. I just wanted to encourage people to do aquaculture. And it's grown into this sort of cool vibe that we get at the school for the day. Like I said, it's just a different show. I think for a lot of reasons, the venue that it's in makes it very different. It's not the big sort of exhibit hall. You walk through the hallways of the school and there are 
tanks set up in every classroom. <laughs> I take all the science classrooms. I take pretty much all the math classrooms at this point. Last year, we spread into the front lobby, and this year, we're actually going to spread into a new hallway just to kind of alleviate 1,600 people walking around in really about half the building, not even quite half. It's a little crowded. That's the big complaint that I get is that there's too many people there, and yeah. people can't get to where they want to go, and I get that. And every year, we sort of switch things around, but um, it's been really cool to to be a part of it and organize it. So what what is it like? What does the administration think about? Is this a public school or a private school? We we are a public high school. We're a regional high school. So we have, or we had three sending towns. We now have, I think, five or six different towns that feed students into us. Um, it's funny, the, the principal, the very first couple years I went and talked to him. And if you're not a reef keeper and I try and explain to you what we're doing, he just kind of shook his head and was like, okay, cool. You're going to go hang out with your five buddies in your fish tank. That sounds like a, <laughs> a great thing to do. And he came, I'm going to say maybe around year 10, um, he showed up at the school and there were, you know, 800 people at the school. And he found me in the crowd and said, what is this? And I was like, this, I told you we were doing this. Like I said, this was a big deal. Like we had people flying in from, you know, Utah and Oregon and California and to set up and sell corals and people were driving from four or five hours away. And he, he was blown away at the idea that this was a thing, that there was this underground industry of coral farming and he couldn't believe it. And I took him on a walk and we had a big conversation. He was fascinated with what does a coral cost? What's the most expensive coral? So I took him on a little tour of some of the places where I knew I could find very expensive corals that didn't look like anything unless you knew what you were looking at. Yeah. Um, so they have, um, I think, embraced the sort of celebrity status that the school has now in the reefing community like we're a thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love <laughs> my co-host on the radio show. Like she does the same thing where it's very much like, okay, your little hobby. <laughs> and I just want to take her to, you know, reef stock or one of these big shows yeah. where there's also, you know, two, 3000 other people mm -hmm. who are like-minded yep. <laughs> and all looking down into these blue tanks yep. at coral. So, uh, and I, I think I send out a, a message the day before the frag farmers usually every year. And basically what I'm saying is, listen, if you have to be in the building on that Saturday, feel free to come in. Just know you can't park anywhere near the building. And it's an absolute madhouse. I tell people, if you want to come, come check it out. And every year I get a couple of, you know, English teachers or math teachers or whoever that come and bring their significant others or bring their kids. And they'll always come see me on Monday and say, that was amazing. I can't believe that you do that in the school and I mean, the school transforms on Friday night. And by the time we leave Saturday night, everything is more or less back where it was. There's the occasional, you know, thing in the sink or plastic plant left on somebody's desk, but pretty much back to where it was over the course yeah. of about 24 hours or so. So I guess my, my next question is, I think at a lot of these regional shows, us included here in St. Louis, we've, mm -hmm. we've kind of been taken over, not taken over. That's not the proper terminology, but our 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 um our club here has kind of diminished over time yep. and there's still members and we still get together when we can and you know pizza parties and things like that but the swap itself is no longer run by us it is um 
uh, Reefing USA. Um, mm-hmm. Bill out of Wisconsin puts okay. on regional shows yep. around the country. And so you get a lot of the same vendors and yep. nothing against the vendors, but I feel yep. like this show in particular, you get a lot of home brew kind of coral vendors, uh-huh. right? Yep. Yeah. The, the original aim of it was, like I said, the small guy, it was the guy who's growing out of his 30 gallon tank and has, you know, 20 frags that he wants to sell. The $30 basically covered the cost of, I was supplying water, um, and it covered the custodial costs and stuff like that. Like I said, I've never been in it to make the money. So, and what I've done today is it's still $30 for a hobbyist to set up. That's it. So if you're a hobbyist, that's all. I don't, I don't really want your money. And even for companies, it's not that expensive. I know you're paying thousands of dollars. It is um, well under $200, shall we say, to set up for a company. So if, you know, Pieces of the Ocean wants to come and set up at my show, it's under $200 for Kenny to come with his guys and set up a tank, which I think is a big piece of the the vibe of the show because there's a lot less pressure attached to that. I, sure. I don't. I don't have $2,000 invested that I have to make that. Exactly. I've talked to a lot of the sort of local fish store guys who go and will do Reefapalooza in New Jersey and things like that. And they're basically like, listen, I got to go and I got to make X number of dollars today just to break even. Yeah. And that's pressure. And I don't want that. And guys come and you know what? We just kind of hang out and we have a good time and I don't have to pay to rent my building. I'm not supporting anything other than my my project basically. And at this point, the frag farmers has become so big and so successful in terms of attendance, in terms of the raffle, in terms of the vendors that come out and they're just unbelievable generosity um, that I take the money that we make, put it into a fund, and I use it to help out other schools that are starting programs up. So people will reach out and say, hey, I'm looking to start it. What do you, what do you recommend? And I'm always like, well, what do you need? You know, I'll, I'll make a phone call to Logan from Reef Breeders and have lights shipped to somebody just to get them going. Cause I remember where I was at the start and I've also done, um, scholarships. So I took over the marine biology teacher at, or the oceanography teacher at EO Smith passed away, I think two years after I had started there and, uh, they named a scholarship after him. And I said, well, what if I fund it? And we'll pick somebody who's interested in marine biology, somebody who's interested in conservation, especially kids that have worked with me that are graduating and give them a scholarship and take some money and throw it that way and, you know, support them. So it's been really cool to to not have significant needs for me and be able to sort of throw it out to other people that do have it. Yeah, I think this is everything that's right with the hobby. And like you said, if you if you're a business and you can come in and set up for less than two hundred dollars, I mean that's that's pretty unbelievable. And you're right. I, I think that that does take the pressure off of everybody. It's less tense. And mm-hmm. you've been to the big shows and you've yep. been to a booth where, you know, maybe maybe they're not in the best mood because the sales are down that day by whatever or for yeah. whatever reason. I think a, a, another really cool part of this is for the hobbyist. 
something that I've noticed is that a lot of the vendors have a lot of the same stuff. So when you can get into like the really cool leathers, the blue suspicularias, yeah. you know, the, the Sarko that aren't normally carried by vendors because they don't yeah. sell well. Like, I love that. I love going and picking like oddball corals. And if you've got something and you just like, you know, you set up your $30, you know, your fee and you set yep. up your tank and now you've got these really cool offerings that, yep. that to me makes this show awesome or any show really any frag swap that allows the local guys to also yep. participate in it. And the other cool thing about the frag farmers market is that mix of the little guy right next to some of the biggest guys in the business. I, there's a guy who sets up Jason Fox has been doing the show um, for 15 years now, maybe something like that. Took me a couple of years to lure him into coming. And the first <laughs> year he did it, I went and talked to him and I was like, Hey Jay, how'd you do today? And he looked at me and he said, I wish I brought more coral. Yeah. And I was like, good. That's a good thing, man. But there's a guy that sets up next to him. Who's just a, a professor at Brown who grows corals at home. And he's jacked because he gets to hang out with Jason Fox for the day <laughs> and like be one of the big kids basically. Yeah. And, yeah. and on that, in that venue, everybody's equal. And the other cool thing that's come out of it, and I don't know if this is necessarily my influence per se, but I think it helped, um, is the sort of, there's a twilight region between hobbyist and store now. There are a lot of people who grow stuff at home, very large scale, go and do shows. Some of them have online businesses, but a lot of the guys, the local guys that do it started out as hobbyists at the Frag Farmers. So it was kind of a jump start into that. And I feel like from the conservation perspective, like I've, I've helped that. And I, I, I take pride in the fact that there are a lot of these little guys out there. And I know there's a, a competition aspect with the brick and mortar store and things like that. And a hundred percent, I'm supporting the local fish stores too, but that conservation piece I think is just too important to the hobby or it's going to be irrelevant whether we have brick and mortar stores or not. Cause we're not going to be able to take anything out of the ocean. We're going to have nothing to put in our tanks. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard uh, Chris Mackley at ACI and others have said in the future, there may just be bands that we deal with mm -hmm. in oh, perpetuity, yeah. you know, forever. And so we're all relying on a aqua aquaculture and corals yeah. or harnessing the power of spawning in yep. some way, shape or form. So, yeah. Yeah, I I really I really think that, that that's cool. I I think it was maybe three years ago, two years ago, I went down that same road of well, I've got I've got all these really cool zoanthids. I was super into mm -hmm. zoanthids at the time, yep. growing like crazy, all these different colors. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe I'll get a spot in my slash swap, my mm -hmm. uh, our 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 clubs uh, swap, yep. and I did. And I documented the entire thing on video and it's intimidating. Like mm -hmm. it's is I, I, they let us set up the night before, which is awesome because that, that takes a little bit of the pressure off. And yep. thankfully the location is like five minutes from my house. So I don't have to worry about the whole travel aspect. Like a lot yep. of these guys who are shipping corals on a, you know, Southwest cargo. Um, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. But uh, they've got it down to a science. Yeah. 
but I just I just remember going like, well, yeah, you're gonna need a heater, you need the carbon reactor, you need the floss, you need to make like your corals have to open and look yeah. good and <laughs> be yep. happy, and you got to have lighting that doesn't you know conflict with all the other uh, lights on the yeah. Wi-Fi network, you know. Yep. There's just it's it's a lot of challenges. I've done the swap three times, um, and I think each time I, I walked out with about a grand, which yeah. I thought was pretty good, you know. And I yeah. think a lot of people when they when when the hobbyist finds out that they can make a little bit of change off of the you know their clippings, yeah, it's 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 cyclical at that. But you can start just reinvesting in you know your yeah. salts and your things like that. And then yeah. some people, like you said open the garage store and open yeah. the basement store and then go from there. So I, I, I love that. I love that. Not only has this swap, you know, done a lot for your community in the high school, but also a lot for the external uh, community as well. And in, yeah. in the hobby. So the, the other cool story that I like to tell, um, this is actually one of my favorites is when I very first started out, um, there was a, kid from Wyndham High School, which is just down the street. Um, and his mom used to drive him out to EO Smith to work on the coral stuff with me. I don't remember exactly how we ended up hooked up. Um, but he would come out, his mom would drive him, he would hang out with me one afternoon a week and work on the coral stuff with me. And Mike has subsequently gone off, got a teaching certificate, teaches at the Marine Science Magnet School in Groton, Connecticut, running a coral program down there. And just a couple of weeks ago, they hosted a swap with the Boston Reef Society and invited me to come down as EO Smith to sell corals down there. And I, I stopped him and I didn't even get a chance to say it to him. He goes, look, it's come full circle, right? I'm like, this is amazing. Like one of my old students is running a program like what I'm trying to do. It was just awesome that they were running this huge and they have a beautiful facility down there. It's I'm a little jealous that they have the <laughs> facility that they have. And I've literally stuffed 300 gallons in a closet in the back of my classroom. But just the fact that they're doing it, it's awesome. It was amazing to go down there and see it. And it was, you know, it was one of these like proud teacher moments to see, you know, Mike down there running a program with his buddy, Eric. It was just so cool. Yeah. That is awesome. I feel like, and that that's probably the, the most fulfilling, one of the mo more fulfilling parts oh, yeah. of your job, you know, Absolutely. To, to, to be the inspiration for someone to be like, I'm going to go do this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, thanks for, thanks for the inspo. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. The, the other cool thing that happens too, is every year when I run the frag farmers, I run it with the students. So the kids that are working with me are helping me to put everything together. Um, but I also have a lot of old students who come back. And I have students that come back that are married that, you know, they're like, we'll go out afterwards and go out for a beer afterwards. And there are a lot of my old high school students who go out and have a beer and I'm looking at them thinking, you can't come with me. And then I realized, no, you can't come with me. You're 25 now. Like you're fine. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> it's okay. But, <laughs> but there are a bunch of kids who come back. I mean, they're not kids, they're adults now, but they come back to help out because they just love it that much. And it's, yeah. it's super cool to be able to see them and hang out with them. And like, they know how everything works. And they also understand that that day I can't successfully accomplish anything. So they're off doing all the jobs that I need to do. I'm like, Hey, this guy needs a hose. Can you guys go get that hose for him? Okay, cool. Go do something else. We'll take care of it. That's awesome. So yeah. do you have any, do you have any corals that are as old as some of your students that have uh, graduated and gone 
on to other things. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have. <clears throat> I have in my tank at home a uh, neon green polyped uh, crown leather that I've had for, gosh, 25 years probably at this point. I've fragged it. I don't even want to speculate. Right now it's probably, I don't know, a foot and a half across when it's open, pushing up against the sides of the tank, so I have to go cut it again. I cut it every year for the frag farmer's market. I make like 10 frags, bring them in. It's probably as old as some of my students. It's I've had it forever. That's awesome. Yeah. So you had mentioned, uh, you know, promoting aquaculture in the mm -hmm. in the community. Yep. Um, so is there any, or maybe maybe you already have plans in place for this right now, or maybe it's already happened, but any kind of spawning program or anything that you would be tinkering with down the road in the classroom? It's I'm always open to things that kids want to do. Um, I'm always encouraging kids. When I very first started out, um, I come from a science background. I was doing parasitology research. I was doing molecular biology research. Like I was way into the idea of giving kids an opportunity to do science research. And I've had a lot of kids do projects. We haven't done a lot recently. COVID kind of screwed up the whole model that we had going on. Um, but stuff like that, um, we've added a whole bunch of clownfish, for example. I was not into the idea of breeding the clownfish just because I don't want to culture rotifers. I don't want to deal with all of the live cultures that I need to keep them. But the kids were like, we want clownfish. We want baby clownfish. I said, all right, so we've got pairs of clownfish and the girls go back and take care of the clowns. We've been unsuccessful so far. Maybe it's the mood lighting. Maybe it's the wrong romantic music we're playing, whatever it is. But um but stuff like spawning and things like that, when kids come in and say, hey, I'm really interested in this, let's do it. Um, the nice thing about having the project, the way that it's set up, and to some extent having the funding is when a kid comes in and says, hey, I want to test the effects of decreasing pH um, on calcifying corals. Okay, cool. Let's get some pH meters and let's get some controllers and let's actually do this and we can set up and get all the equipment that we need to run an experiment like that so it's kind of neat to be able to do it um i don't have specific plans necessarily but i'm always flexing with whatever kids want to do yeah gosh it's uh spawn aid have you heard of this mm -mm. <laughs> they call it viagra for fish Oh boy, here we uh, go. When I when Just I was don't, trying don't, don't tell my students about this. I will <laughs> never hear the end of it. When I was trying to get my my because my clownfish was just cleaning the cleaning the tank one day. Clean, yep. They were they lived in the frag tank and was turning over some frag plugs and saw what I thought was sponge on one of the frag plugs. So I just started yep. like kind of you know picking at it and the clownfish were going bananas. Mm -hmm. And I looked a little closer and I was like, these are eggs. They're spawning. They're finally doing this. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so I, you know, did all the research and, and, uh, you know, I've got a whole series on this on my YouTube channel and culture of the rotifers and yep. gosh, you're right. That's a pain in the ass because mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. you have to harvest daily, which yep. is good for if you've got a bunch of reef tanks to, you know, distribute the live rotifers for like right. corals love that. Um, but it, if you go on vacation or you go away for the weekend, you yeah. know, that you know, you've got overpopulation. And if you've got also fry at that time when you need to leave, it's very um it's very difficult to do that. However, 
someone had told me about spawn aid and I forget which lab makes it, but it's basically, uh, it's amino acids. It's high in a couple of them. So not only does it promote, uh, spawning to happen, yep. but it also, uh, bolsters the health of the eggs and the huh. mother. So, uh, they're more viable, or at least that's, that's what this, you know, product Fair turns enough. to do. <laughs> I dosed it for maybe about a month after setting up the clay pot and getting them all situated and, yeah. uh, it, you know, there we go. And we got, we've got eggs every two weeks. So it, or every it, two and a half weeks. It's funny. Cause my, my cousin has reef tanks at home. He and I have basically like brothers and we've been doing reef tanks together for years and years. And he has a pair of clownfish that spawn at his house. And I'm like, you're a jerk. Cause you're not even trying and they're spawning. Yeah. One of my old students took his tank down and gave me a pair of clownfish. And the guy that teaches next door to me is a freshwater guy. So I'm, I'm working on that. We're acclimating him into saltwater. I took my old tank, moved it onto his back counter, and he's growing bubble tips and mushrooms in there. And I threw the pair of clownfish in there just because I don't have anywhere to put them. I have literally clownfish in every single tank that I own. And they're spawning. The fish that I didn't want to keep started to spawn the ones I have in the back room that I'm like trying as hard as I can to get to spawn won't do anything. They just hang out and eat the food. Yeah. Um, we did, uh, we had some success with Bangai Cardinals for a while, which was super cool. I, that the, is really cool. Yeah. The, the baby Bangais are unbelievable. They're these tiny little specks that are exact replicas of the parents. And we had a lot of success with those. And then I lost one of the pair and haven't got, and I have a pair, but they aren't breeding. They were, I got them when they were little tiny guys, but they're hanging out. I'm pretty sure it's a male and a female. So hopefully we'll get baby bang guys again. And the bang guys were nice because you can give them copepods and things like that. They were much yeah. more, a little easier to deal with, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, out of uh, probably 12 clutches, I had four survivors and two of them that actually made it to adulthood now. So mm -hmm. it's uh it's tough when it's not your full-time thing, you know, yep. when, when you can't babysit them and, you know, you see some of the clownfish farms, uh, Jake went over to J Japan and visited one and I was yep. just blown away by the amount of fry that make it through the entire yeah. process, you know, you know, I'm lucky if I get maybe three or four to go through yep. to metamorphosis. And yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's super rewarding, though, when it does happen. And I will always have the story of these guys. They're never going anywhere. They're always going right. to be in this tank or always with me in some way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been trying to convince um, Soren from Sea and Reef up in Maine to come down. He and I talk every year for the Frag Farmers. He's been unbelievably generous. He throws... I don't know, like 12 pairs of fish into the raffle every year. Um, these just beautiful tank raised, all kinds of weird clown morphs and stuff like that. Um, I've been trying to convince him to come down and give a talk on clown breeding. Um, and he's super, super busy up there and I can never convince him. Selfishly, I want him to come down so I can talk to him about clown breeding. I want him to come and show me and tell me what I need to do differently to make it work. But yeah. eventually I'll convince him to come down. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to, you know, a student gets so inspired that then they start to do like angelfish or yeah, you know, 
something crazy that you know you need you need the uh specific f- live feeds for them and right you know now all of a sudden eo smith is known for you know spawning and breeding king eye angelfish or something yeah. let's, get the, <laughs> let's get the clownfish first and then we'll worry about the angelfish yeah, yeah. My, I think... my ability to breed fish has not been impressive so far i can grow <laughs> coral fairly well but i don't know about the fish <laughs> i think you should have uh you should have a richard ross uh maybe pop in on a live stream or something and and maybe put a bug in some of the students here about coral spawning because i don't know i think that that's probably one of the most fascinating things yeah in this hobby and you know chris meckley just had it happen at aci people have it in their tanks you know they're like what what's going on in my tank right now and it's like spawning season you know it's just it's what happens sometimes but if we can harness that on a hobbyist level that's a whole it's a whole different ball game oh yeah that takes coral fragging and makes that irrelevant all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very well, cool. cool. Um, I, I, I don't really have much more for you right now, but, uh, any, any, any plans for the future with you guys? I mean, obviously the, the farmer's market's still going this year. Yep. It just so happens to be, or always happens to always be the same, be. same weekend as reef stock. So I won't be able to, to make it, but I do want to get out there and, and see your facility at some point. I think that'd be yeah. a great story for the Rebuilders channel. Yeah, it's super cool. I'd love to have you come out. Um, the Frag Farmers is March 2nd. Uh, the more people, the merrier. That's what I always say. We have a, a, a huge lineup of vendors. I do. We have, I was actually counting before I jumped on with you. I think I have 83 coral vendors. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's insane. So, and that's, it's, there are more coral vendors at the frag farmers than at any other show. And it's because I have, you know, the little guy in his basement setting up next to, you know, pieces of the ocean and ultimate corals and some of the big names in there. Um, and it's been kind of cool. Cause I get a lot of big names who reach out to me now, places that I used to call and beg, beg to come out. And they were like, nah, I don't think we're gonna come out to your show. We got other stuff going on. And now they're like, Hey, can we get in? And I'm like, well, I can put you on the wait list. (laughs) Yep. Um, Gosh, 83 is, is that's, that's even kind of daunting as a hobbyist to get around to everything and make sure you see each one of those tanks. And that's when people ask what it's like, the word I use is overwhelming. I, I set it up. I know where everybody is. I've done it for all 16 years up till now. And I still am overwhelmed. Like I'll go off and I'll leave the kids with our tank to sell the corals that we grow. And I just go shopping. I go walk around and try and visit with everybody that's there and chat. And, and I still don't get to everybody. And it's not unusual that I'll see a coral and be like, I'm going to come back and grab that when I'm going back to the tank and I can't find it again. I have no idea where I saw it. Yeah, It's just, there's so much, but the cool thing is, is if you're looking for it, it's there, it's someplace. And if somebody has it and you don't like their price, there's probably three other people with it at other spots. Yeah. Yeah. But what's the, what's the, what's your most popular coral that you guys sell at the high school? Honestly, we make the, it's funny because you expect it to be some high end, something that we grow and I don't grow a ton of high-end stuff. I have some weird stuff now that I've come across. I've started sort of shopping for the stranger things. Um, I've been in the hobby long enough that I have that terrible knack for if I'm standing in front of the tank, I'll say, what's that? Yeah. And they'll say, Oh, it's such and such coral. What do you want per polyp? That's a $700 a polyp zoanthid. (laughs) 
And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's exactly what I figured it was because I've never seen that before. <laughs> and it's not even like, you know, the bright pink and orange. It's the black with the green specks on it that doesn't look exciting, but it's different than everything else. Yeah. Um, but at the Frag Farmers, honestly, we make more money. We sell more leather corals than anything else. Yeah. And I think part of it is that we spend a lot of time propagating them. They're hardy. They do great in our greenhouse system. Um, I came across, I have a couple of weird leather corals. I have a creeping leather coral, which is, I'm not even really sure where I got it, but it's this weird, like encrusting leather coral that I've never seen anywhere else. Um, everybody that takes it is like, that's really cool. I've never seen it before. Um, and we also have long polyp leathers that are weeping willows, whatever you want to call them that people just love. They're cool corals. And the, the kids are great at, you know, cutting them and propagating them. So we have, I don't know, 25 of them in the greenhouse right now, just kind of growing out, getting ready. Yeah, that's great. I, I feel like leathers are very underrepresented at Frag Swaps. Yeah. It's all about the, it's all about the euphilia, the fimbrophilia, the torches and hammers, the, you know, all the, all the flashy, uh, lords and all yeah. the micro musas and all of those kinds of corals and n- not bashing totally love but yeah. just the variety is is kind of what you start to seek i think after you've been in the hobby for yeah a couple of years you're like okay yep. i've seen i've seen every holy grail torch known to mankind they're all very right. cool very colorful but yep. i'm not spending a thousand dollars on this coral exactly yeah <laughs> well and the the frag farmers is nice too because it brings a lot of um newer hobbyists in one of my favorite things is the little kid who comes up to the tank and is looking at stuff. And in a lot of cases, it's the kid's tank or the kid gets a vote on mom's tank and they'll sit and we'll kind of negotiate. And after a while, what I'll usually do for little guys is I'll say, all right, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you these three corals, take them. I don't want your money, keep it, bring it home and grow it. What I want you to do is come back next year or the year after and tell me that you've grown it and you need a tank so that you can sell the corals that you've grown. And I've sent, I don't know, 20, 30 kids home with just, you know, green star polyps, leather corals, just easy to keep hardy stuff that's going to grow for them. And it's cool to have that. And I do have this year, I think I have two kids that are like 12 years old who are going to be selling at the frag farmer's market, which is kind of neat. They're not kids that I gave corals to necessarily, but it's, you know, I'll have a little girl reach out and say, Hey, I grow corals at home. Is it okay if I sell? I'm like, yeah, sure. That's awesome. Sell. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. It's like, it's like, uh, the coolest lemonade stand ever. <laughs> Pretty much. I have lemonade this year too. Apparently I, I don't know how lemonade stand ended up, there, but we have one of those this year as well. Hot dog cart, lemonade stand, beer. We're good. No, yeah. no beer. beer, no beer, no beer in the school. That's the one thing. And I, I will say, most of the guys complain about that. That might be the biggest complaint I get from the reef guys because when they're setting up and when they're taking down, it's part of the culture. And it's yeah. a big thing that I'm like, listen, you can't drink beer in the school building. You're going to get me in trouble. No alcohol, no nothing in the building, please. And they're really good about it. Everybody's yeah. great about it. Your table was less than $200. Just follow the rules, okay? Let's right, go. Right, pretty much. <laughs> that, yeah. and to be honest, if you're not going to follow the rules, I'll boot you out. I have a wait list 25 30 people long to get in like that's crazy I, I feel bad at the end of like when we get to the point where we're solidified on the list because i've left a lot of people out who really want to get in yeah but 
it is what it is. I can't, I mean, when I said 83 vendors, the face you made is the right face to make. That's a lot of vendors. Yeah. I mean, I could do 130 vendors, but you're diluting that. So it's a fine line every year. Sure. Well, if any teachers are listening from like a high school or education level, I guess, you know, teaching at the high school level, how -hmm. can they get in contact with you if they've got any questions for their classroom? So we can do it two different ways. Um, If they want to reach out to me on Facebook, um, I run the CT Frag Farmers Market group on Facebook. Um, You're welcome to shoot me a message there. I spend a fair amount of time there. Honestly, I use Facebook just for reef stuff. I don't, I have like family members who have tried to send me a friend request and I ignore them or decline them. I'm probably (laughs) included out of my own family for it, but, um, or they're welcome to reach out uh, via email. It's J Swanson, S-W-A-N-S-O-N at eosmith.org. So shoot me an email, shoot me a message on Facebook. I help a lot of teachers out with, you know, advice. And um, I have a lot of teachers that reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking of starting a, a program. Here's what I'm kind of thinking of doing. What do you think? And I mean, my big advice is always, do you really want to do this? Because once you put a tank in the classroom, you're tied to your classroom. That, that teacher's summer that you always think of where <laughs> yeah. you don't have to go back to school. I'm back at school once or twice a week. And I'm lucky because yeah. the kids that work with me are old enough that they can go in and they take care of it too. But you know what? If anything goes wrong, I got to go in and fix it. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not like a guinea pig that you can send home with students. Right. <laughs> I, I used to bring the tank home. I used to bring my 55-gallon tank back and forth. And that didn't last very long. That was yeah. not happening. Yeah. That was a lot that, of drama at the end of that the is day. That, that's a really good point that you made, and I, I hope that doesn't make teachers second guess too much. But, uh, yeah, that is definitely something, you know. If it's you don't a piece see, of it, yeah. If you don't want to see that school for two and a half months, then <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe Reef Tank isn't the best thing in the world. Or, or you find somebody who can take care of it. A lot of the teachers that I know have secretaries or custodians or somebody who's there 12 months who doesn't necessarily have all the know-how per se, but is willing to go in and feed and kind of peek at things and make sure everything's okay. I put together for the kids that go in, I put together a checklist. Like, what do you need to look at while you're here? And I put a big stack of them on my front desk and they come in and they'll check off everything and make sure we have like a little ongoing dialogue on my front board every year. Um, last couple of years, it's been uh, songs that we're singing to the chorals. The girls think that we should sing to them. So I always put lists of songs that I sing to the chorals. I've never, <laughs> ever sang to the chorals, but that's okay. They don't need to know that. <laughs> it's all about those good vibes. Yeah, right. <laughs> Well, uh, John, I want to thank you so much for being on the Reef Therapy Podcast tonight. Like he said, if you've got any questions, we can reach out to him via email. I'll post all that in the uh, description below so people can can reach out if they've got any questions for you. Or you can always leave your question in the comment section. I'll definitely see that. Um, I want to thank ICP Analysis for being an awesome sponsor. More at icpanalysis.com. And uh, John, thank you for your time. We'll see you in the next one. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks.